Hey, Brian. Brian Christofferson. I gotta take this a tap. Be right, be roney. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was bright. Brian Christofferson, Husker 24-7. On the Connor Happer Show, on 1620, The Zone. And we're joined now on the 42 Degrees of Source Hotline by Husker 247's Brian Christofferson. BC, hello. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Sitting outside the spaceship Pinnacle Bank Arena right now uh, with media access right after this interview. I actually timed it right. I got over here, so I'm in a spot to just do this, do the radio segment, and I go right in. It was very professional, unlike how I usually do things. Wow, this is good. Uh, so yeah. the, it, it's one of the rare times where... Fred Hoiberg didn't do a media availability like 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 right during the time. It's just worked out today. Yeah, he likes to mess with our heads. I think a little bit. He does. Um, I'm sure he gives any thought to that. But um, free. yeah, he did, he did he did work around our schedule this time, and that was nice. Yeah, good job. Let's go to uh, let's let's do basketball first. Then, as they now head into this stretch where there's some easier games on the schedule. The tough road tests are over. The the opportunities that you missed, you'll you'll probably regret, but um, they do have an ability to kind of rack up some wins down the way here. Although that nothing's given, I guess. Where do you feel like they're at going into the the final seven games of the Big Ten, where it 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 does become a little bit easier on paper? It does. Um, with who you play, although a couple of them are starting to trend upward, like Penn State of late, um, which they play next week. Um, the other part of that, though, is the pressure is just as high because you don't want to, like, it, you know, you lose to Michigan on Saturday, and that at, you would rarely say this about Michigan basketball, but this year that's a, that's a bad loss, you know. So, yeah. um, it feels like um, – there definitely is opportunity, which we've talked about on this show. Once they got to February 10th and beyond, like those seven games to close, there's no reason you couldn't have a strong finishing kick and win at least five of them or something like that. Um, but you have to go out there every night and and get after it like it's like it is Purdue in front of you and like everything's on the line because it really is. So um, hopefully, like on Thursday morning when they got back you know, together and, and talked it out, there was a feeling of a big picture look maybe at like, hey, you're sixteen and eight right now, you're six and seven in the league, you're kinda low mid fifties in, in net ranking. It's all there though for this season to still be everything that you wanted it to be. Um and and well let's get back on the horse and go after this. So um they have had a difficult schedule set up because they've played more games in the league than other teams, and they haven't had a bye until this next week. Uh, but you got to fight through that and, and go out there and just show that you're that team that, that belongs in the dance now and, and take care of business when people expect you to. How many so, t- yeah. lock up the vault and win one or two on the road. You know, that's, that's what they got to do. How many times will Fred Hoiberg talk about turnovers and offensive rebounds when you visit with him in about <laughs> 10 minutes here? I think that'll be like half the conversation, and I, I mean, I get it because it's just—it's frustrating, though. With it's the—it's the two things that settle it so often, and um, you know, it was a disaster on Wednesday. It was thirteen to three on offensive boards, and you—you you give it away seventeen times. Uh, they actually turned it over eighteen times against Northwestern the first time in in Lincoln, uh, but got away with it because they out rebounded them by fourteen. But 
uh, I don't know. They 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 gotta they gotta find something that that's missing when it comes to um, rebounding away from PBA. It's like they it's it just it's like uh, in Space Jam they lose their yeah. the monsters take their rebounding skills or whatever. Um, so uh, that's a real current reference. Um, I guess they made a new one recently. I yeah, but nobody one. cares about that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm loyal to the Jordan one. Um, but yeah, I mean that that I'm sure that's going to be like half the conversation we're about to have here in about ten minutes. Uh, let's go on to football. Brian Christofferson of Husker twenty four seven is with us. So we had this weird crossover this week where it's like, oh yeah, signing days here, and you know we got a couple minutes to to comment on some of the new additions to the class, which is good. But then we quickly quickly moved on to the other storylines, which was you know kind of always going to happen. Now that I feel like you know we've talked about this quite a bit and trying to piece it together over the last month or so with Glenn Thomas being added to the fold. And now that rules sort of straightened out any questions about who's calling the plays and who's doing what the roles are sort of settled, I guess, how do you feel about the setup with the offensive coordinator, the quote unquote co-offensive coordinator, and then the quarterbacks coach now as well? Co stands for collaborative. Collaborative, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not cooperative. Um, no. Well, hopefully cooperative. Yeah, hopefully, I uh, guess, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. you know, I guess what I'd say first off is I appreciate that Rule was um, just, like, right, right about it. Like, this is how it's going to be. Because um, we've covered teams here where um, coaches have left it wishy-washy about who's doing what sometimes. And I, I, I get that you don't want everybody, like, in your inner circle all the time, but what that leads to is just, like, rumors and everybody's got a theory on who called this play and that play. And so I like that on in February, at least, um, that topic is sort of taken off the table for the for the off off season. Um, it all makes sense to me. I mean, really always explains himself well, I think, about why their plan is the way it is. And with Glenn Thomas um, – you know, he, he's got a big enough job with, you know, two freshman quarterbacks and a, a guy who's really trying to grow on the job and bring up a 49% completion rate to uh, build up their confidence and start from the ground floor and, um, you know, make that a, a really efficient operation. So I, I, I understand what he said, how, like, if, if your OC um, were the QB's coach and you're running the air raid, system you would you would really want that but in nebraska's offensive system which differs from that there is an advantage uh to the play caller um i think especially as they talk about this positionless offense as much as they do working with the group that is the most uh connected to that and the tight ends and the hybrid guys you know your fedonis your carter nelsons all those guys i mean that's a pretty deep room of guys who you have to figure out how they fit into the blocking scheme how you want them to work in the route trees and all that stuff. And so it for what Nebraska is trying to do offensively, it, it makes sense on paper. And now, uh, now it needs to make sense uh, when we get to the games, but we got a ways for that. Rule always talks about, like, I, I love how he does this, but there's, there's different sort of thought processes and theories on this based on what your offense is going to look like. But he always talks about playing quarterback. Right, like you have to actually play the position and and throw the throws instead of like have it that have it kind of built for you. I mm-hmm. I I like the way he sort of talk. I now I don't know 
what that ends up looking like for Nebraska competition-wise. I think, theoretically, it gives you a better chance to develop those players. But I, I'm I'm still a little curious. I'm like, okay, how does how does this all look when you throw that in with all the new personnel that they have and then, of course, new new members of the coaching staff as well? Yeah, it, I mean, it's a huge job. I, I do like to – I was thinking about this when I was talking with Michael Brunt earlier about, like, on game days, there is something to be said for your OC's got to be that big-picture guy who's, like, thinking about the next series. and Okay, we did this. Where are we going, you know, on the next series to, to throw them off? And it's nice to have somebody who's just, like, in the headspace of the QBs where that's, like, his job. Like, yeah. let's say one of your freshmen throws a pick in the second quarter um, in a September game, and he's coming over. You could see kind of he's discouraged about it. I, it there, is, there is an advantage, perhaps, to having that guy who his job is that, those, that individual while the other guy, Satterfield, is thinking about, like, the whole collection and, like, let's, how are we going to get the, off the um, going here after this turnover and all this stuff. So I, I kind of like that, and it, it just comes down to I know sometimes people – We'll be like, oh, the head coach is. They call him like the buddy hires. Like, oh, of course they hired the guy. They, you know, I. That's the way this works everywhere. Yeah. Like you, you hire people that you trust, and people that you've had success with before, and that you know I can leave him over there with these guys in that room, and I, I have belief in what those guys are learning and how they're going to grow because I've seen it at Temple with PJ Walker, who did make it to the league, and had a pretty good TD INT ratio and Charlie Brewer who uh, grew into a winner at Baylor. So, um, you know, much like rules resume is what attracted Nebraska fans and gives them hope about what could happen. I think Glenn Thomas has a very similar thing um, on a lesser scale with, with quarterbacks. And so that's what you're hoping takes place here. How, how deeply should we read into the praise that was heaped on Jamal Banks and then you juxtapose that with the the shortness of the answer on Micah Mazuka, uh, a couple of transfers that came in for for Nebraska. Obviously, there's still plenty of time to get whatever needs to get right to uh, you know yeah. in, in the right direction. But when I hear when I hear a coach talk about a guy you know in the in the community and how he's leading in points and and stuff like that, um, you know that that catches your attention. It doesn't mean anything for the football field, but it might mean something in the leadership department. Yeah, and well, the thing with Jamal Banks is uh, he's got the proof as a player, too, so you feel like it's going to all kind of come together. So um, I thought that was a huge addition um, when they got him. And he said in interviews uh, when he committed, like, I want to be that lead-by-example guy, and I'm not going to put myself above anybody or act like I'm better, and I'm not going to be below anybody. I'm just going to do the work, and guys are going to see that. And um, that's apparently what's going on, so... Um, I mean, that's, just, that's, that's strong for a guy to come in who's got a resume the last two years where he's produced 650 yards or whatever each season at Wake, and he's not resting on his laurels. He knows he has to have a big year um, and get, um, you know, gel meshed with this team, and, and he's doing a good job. As far as, you know, Micah, um, rules, interesting, he'll, he'll say it uh, yeah. about guys sometimes, and it's a challenge, and we've seen it work at times uh certainly challenged anthony grant publicly his senior season didn't take off necessarily at any point like you'd hope but an example where it did 
uh, was people forget this, but the first week of spring ball last year, like Tommy Hill was one of the guys who like wasn't there one of the first days and he got mentioned and we're all adjusting the rule of course and figuring out what does that mean and kind of from our background we're thinking like well that might be you wonder like is that the end of the Tommy Hill experience you know at Nebraska yeah, or stuff like that definitely the like way we were days, talking about it yeah yeah like for you know a few days later he's out there and he we're taking pictures he's talking to the coach and stretching and he becomes one of his favorite guys over the course of the year and if you look at what he did at Temple, um, especially Temple, uh, where he dealt with some kids who had some really rough circumstances that joined his program, he he would often ha- have to show them that sort of tough love. And he had some really good examples of guys who made the NFL where they responded to it. So um, I, I kind of took it as that, an early challenge to a guy who has a lot of talent and you're going to need. Um, but, you know. You, you, you gotta you gotta go do it with your your guys now, and you gotta show you want it as much as everybody else because there's somebody else who might want it more, and we'll we'll play that guy if if you don't want to uh, match up with him. No doubt, that's a great point with Tommy Hill. I we we definitely forget about that. I I certainly did. Um, and then he became one of their, you know, one of their most talked about guys of last year. Okay, uh, Brian Christopherson of Husker twenty four seven BC. Enjoy the weekend. Uh you got a pick? Super Bowl? Just a winner? Uh, I, I, I'm going to say the 49ers win by a field goal, but okay. I, I get, I get why everybody says the other, so I won't go on about it. It's one of those three to four point spreads either way. Right. Uh, two and a half. Yeah. I, th- I think it'll be, yeah. A game that's down the wire. It's hard to bet against Mahomes, but, uh, I'm, I guess I will just to be a contrarian. But you're doing it at your own peril. Uh, BC, have a good weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks. Guys. Brian Christopherson of Husker 24 seven off to Fred Hoiberg's media availability where he'll talk about turnovers and offensive rebounds a lot. The sexy stuff. Have you heard about turnovers and offensive rebounds? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I, I have seen and heard about both, yes. Let's see how Michigan does in turnovers and offensive rebounds. Well, turning teams over in mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. Good projective well, stat. They don't turn anybody over. Interesting. They turn, sli- they, they turn people over slightly more than Creighton does, which is zero. Um, and offensive rebounds, uh, good, not great. Okay. Top 100 in the country. There you go. What's the, we don't get lines for these. Yeah, seems early. Day out, but Nebraska, according to my little Ken Palm, is seven points better than Meat Chicken. Little Ken Palm thing he knows best. What do you think? So if we, if we just... Added in a little, little zhuzh to that little little storyline. Let's say Nebraska seven and a half. Thoughts? I'd be willing to take Nebraska in that scenario. Okay, it would be a nice statement win for them. It would like, hey, this is not going any further. The We're rumors just, of our <laughs> demise have been greatly exaggerated. That's the hope. That's the hope. If not, then we're going to have some conversations through throughout this week because they don't play again until next Saturday. We'll chatter. A week to chat about. Uh, it's going to get real scary if they lose on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you that. They're going to be in the CBI. All right. Uh, we will come back. Josh will bring you the oddest of the odd news mm-hmm. next on 1620 The Zone.